are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening? Welcome to the Locked On Pistons podcast, your episode for Friday, August the 9th, and talking all decade teams today. This is your boy Matt Shook, a sports writer here in Detroit City, covering the NBA for the Associated Press and Detroit News, Pistons fan and follower my whole life, and a sports newspaper reporter for over a decade as well. Thanks for listening, and thanks for uh, staying patient with us over the summer. Was at the Detroit Lions' first preseason game tonight. Got shellacked by the New England Patriots, 31-3. to And as you saw on Twitter late night after I finished up my work at Ford Field, just flabbergasted somewhat as to why we play four preseason games as Jermaine Kirsch looks like he's out for the season. And uh, at least probably one Lions player in the concussion protocol. Maybe a couple of more. Zach Zenner was under the tent. Tyrell Crosby probably in concussion protocol. I'm not passing all this along as a news, but you guys can uh, read up and get the latest on it as as you see fit. And obviously Tom Savage, the backup quarterback for the Lions, went headfirst into the turf at Ford Field. And uh, all for meaningless games, but uh, good times for the NFL there. And that's why I enjoy spending my time with you guys and talking about the NBA, my favorite league of all the professional sports leagues out there, and obviously the Pistons, uh, my team, the team that I grew up watching, just like you guys. But today we're going to talk about a little nugget from Piston Power that they found out. Actually, it's from Rod Beard of the Detroit News, my colleague and uh, buddy up there. But uh, Piston Powered found it and wrote a little story about it that I didn't see until recently. So kudos to them, first of all. We're also going to talk about the all-decade teams in Pistons history. We're going to go back to the 80s because I don't feel like going back to before that because I don't have any educated opinions about it. So we'll go 80s, 90s, 2000s, and uh, 2010s with the all-decade teams in Piston history. The the NBA did theirs recently, and we'll uh, do one of our own and maybe spark some discussion here. But we're also going to hear from Doc Joe Brown, who is excited about the Pistons' schedule coming out soon, and I'm excited to listen to it and find out why. My guy, my guy Doc Joe Brown, is uh, is pumped up. as uh, Like I said, the lean days of NBA basketball here in August, and uh, excited to... Uh, find out why he's excited. So give me a follow on Twitter, by the way, at Matt underscore Shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, another underscore after that. Also the Lockdown Pistons Twitter account, and check us out on Facebook at Lockdown Pistons dash Matt Shook. But the Locked On Fantasy Football, I mean, fantasy football players, make sure that you listen to Vinny Iyer and Locked On Fantasy Football. Vinny gives you the edge with over 20 years covering fantasy football. Don't listen to the same stuff as everyone else. Then you are the same. Get the edge from Vinny that will put you ahead on draft day and put you ahead all season long. Locked on Fantasy Football is on your favorite podcast provider, so look for it there. My one fantasy football tip, and this is something I do because I'm in multiple leagues, like I'm guessing a couple of you guys or many of you guys are, um, vary it up. Don't take the, the same guy in the first round of every league. Uh, in fact, try not to take the same guy in any two leagues that you have, because guess what? When he gets hurt in the first quarter of week one, uh, then two of your teams are out, or three of your teams are out. So I understand liking certain guys and uh, feeling like that they're a nice uh, mid-round pick or first-round pick. Now, if you've got a flyer that you really like and you want to take him in multiple leagues, that's fine. But that's just my one tip. Uh, diversify your bonds. Just figure out a way to spread the wealth a little bit. That's my fantasy football tip for today, because I know you guys were wondering. 
what I thought. But I meant, like I mentioned, Doc Joe Brown, he is the reason that there is an episode today. He sent in some audio of a little segment for us that we'll play later on in the show. As you guys can probably tell, and as I tape this, as the 3 o'clock hour a.m. approaches uh, late on Thursday night, I'm getting pretty tired. This is kind of like my charging of the batteries season here on the Lockdown Pistons podcast. Um, you know, you've noticed that there's only been a couple episodes sometimes lately per, per week. We're This is number three this week. This is what we're going to try to maintain throughout the month of August. We still got to get the biggest Pistons fan in the world contest coming up. I promise that will happen sometime. Uh, we got to get that all organized. I'm going to try to get that uh, going on Sunday. So if you're one of the listeners who was in the biggest Pistons fan in the world contest, I will send you an email sometime in the next few days. And uh, if you're listening to this, though, send me an email preemptively and let me know when you might be available Sunday evening to get this tournament started. Um, and others of you have reached out about how do I contribute? How do I help to the show? Uh, we hear that Matt's on fumes right now. And uh, that's exactly what jo- Doc Joe Brown does and did. And we're going to put him on here right away. I know Doc Joe, Doc Joe uh, is going to be good. So I didn't have to listen to it. I have not listened to it yet as I talk about this. I know I'm going to put his segment on because he's going to be good. But if you're someone who's going to send something through the voicemail or through the email, go ahead and do that. I'll listen to it. We'll see if we want to put it on. Keep it short. Uh, Doc gets a little bit more leniency because he's a special contributor to the show. But if you're calling the voicemail line, and please do call us at 810-666-1546. Leave a voicemail of two minutes or under. Leave your name and where you live. And uh, give me your thoughts on what's going on with this postseason or this offseason, sorry, um, and or something that I talked about on the show, react to it, or something that you think I should talk about. On the show, like I said, I had a listener on Twitter kind of complaining about the content lately. Uh, why are you having a Charlotte TV reporter on to talk about the Hornets? Um, even though we talked about Donnie Tyndall, which is instrumental and, and, and very uh, central to what the the Pistons are doing as the new head coach of the Grand Rapids Drive. Why are we having guests on to talk about uniforms? Well, guess what? You know, it's August. Cut us a little bit of slack. So I don't know. There's just not that much going on. We're having some interviews. We're reaching out to some people to talk to. Uh, some of the people you've heard on this show before, the beat writers, the writers, the internet writers, all those folks. Um, we had Aaron Ferguson on. We want to get to know uh, him a little bit as he takes over Piston Powered. Again, I appreciate you guys so much for listening. Appreciate all the good and bad feedback, but you know, bear with us a little bit as we catch our breath. You know that I'm doing all the Tigers prospect stories. I'm driving to Grand Rapids. I'm driving to Toledo. I'm flying down to Florida next week to do some more prospect stories. Uh, your boy's tired. I'm going out to Allen Park two or three times a week, waking up early, which I do not like to do, sitting out there in the sun all day, which I do not like to do, going to Comeric Park to watch a team that's going to lose 120 freaking games this year, which I do not like to do. So <laughs> not to complain about my life because I love my life. It's great. Love the job. Love you guys. But uh, hey, let's move on before I lose my mind. Rod Beard of the Detroit News, friend of the show, um, had a mailbag on July 29th that I did not read until just now when I saw that it was aggregated in uh, Piston Powered, the website, who, by the way, had some folks uh, kind of reacting to our interview with Aaron Ferguson on Monday and Wednesday. I like Aaron. He's kind of like me, except a younger version of me, graduated college, uh, does a great job 
with his journalism life, is freelancing now, uh, used to be full-time just like I was, and uh, kind of went this different path. And now he's picking up some other gigs, working hard as the news site expert of Piston Powered. Nothing respect, but respect for this guy. But I have some people reaching out there saying, hey, he didn't grow up a Pistons diehard fan like the rest of us did. He didn't uh, grow up in the Detroit area like the rest of us did. But I get, I'll tell you what. He's, uh, I, and I'm going to project a little bit here because I used to be that guy who was that guy who didn't grow up in the area, who now covers the things that people care about in that area, whether it was me in the Ozarks or Chicago, Virgin Islands, all these other places that I live, even in Port Huron. You know, you grew up in Oakland County. You don't know uh, the Blue Water area up on the east side there. I promise you that Aaron Ferguson is going to outwork everybody because he needs to overcome that kind of uh, built-in bias about his work. That's just my opinion uh, because I was kind of in those shoes uh, sometimes we get a little comfortable as people who know this team backwards and forwards, know the culture of the Southeast Michigan backwards and forwards like some of us do. So Aaron Ferguson noticed in Rod Beard's column that there was a little nugget in there that I missed, that I didn't talk about, that I haven't seen anyone else talk about. And that was that Rod Beard wrote in the mailbag, kind of slipped it in there, said that Ray, Reggie Jackson will very likely be moved before the trade deadline. And, um, you know, obviously... We suspect that Reggie Jackson going into the final year of his deal will be a uh, a commodity that the Pistons could move before the trade deadline. Certainly that's not a big surprise. But that Rod Beard, who is uh, almost as connected as anybody to the Pistons organization from the outside, says uh, Reggie Jackson, who very likely will be moved before the trade deadline. So uh, that's a good catch by Aaron Ferguson, a good nugget from Rod Beard. Kudos to both of those guys. And I'm going to refer you guys to pistonpower.com to read Aaron Ferguson's article, breaking down what that could mean, breaking down what kind of deal Reggie Jackson could fetch for the Detroit Pistons at the tread deadline going forward. So salute to both of those guys. And uh, that's what I got to say about that. But the new Locked On NFL podcast is on fire. Last week, it was one of the most listened to NFL shows with the expert analysis of former NFL scout Matt Williamson and hosted by Brian Peacock, Locked On NFL is your daily national podcast of all things NFL with Matt's unique take on the game. Follow Locked On NFL now on your favorite podcast provider. Up next, I'm going to pass along my Pistons all-decade teams from the past several, and I want to hear yours too. So that's up next here on the Locked On Pistons podcast. Yeah. Up next, we're going to hear from Doc Joe Brown, who's excited to hear about the Pistons' upcoming schedule for this year. But if your company wants to reach an upscale male audience, then your company's ad should be running right here on this podcast to get your company connected with this audience. Email me at matt underscore shook, S-C-H-O-C-H, at yahoo.com, or email locked, L-O-C-K-E-D, at lockedonpodcasts.com to get more deal details and deals about increasing your business. The NBA came out with their all-decade teams, and there's an arbitrary nature to them. We know that uh, certain guys, and we'll, we'll talk about them in the all-Pistons decade teams, get penalized because of the way that their careers kind of broke down. Certain guys get uh, rewarded for the, the way that their careers broke down in terms of where uh, midnight of the January 1st, 1990 uh, was in terms of their careers. 
And uh, we're going to go back to the 80s and start it there. I didn't want to do too much work and go back to the 70s and 60s. But maybe you guys are out there and want to send me on Twitter the all-60s NBA or Pistons team and the all-70s team. I'm just not going to do it right now. But uh, let's start in the 80s where I have my first memories and maybe uh, some of you old-timers go back further than that. But, uh, you know, obviously when the Pistons, the decades that they had success, these were very easy to do. And in the decades like the 2010s, by the way, it became a little bit more difficult to do. So 80s were relatively easy. Obviously, uh, Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars in the backcourt as the guards. Easiest uh, two selections you could ever imagine. The center was as, as easy as it gets as well with Bill Lambeer, who came over in 1981-82, so was with the Pistons for almost the entire decade of the 1980s. Put up huge numbers for the Pistons before they started winning championships, so when they were kind of on the rise. Bill Lambeer, by the way, came over in 1981-82, a little bit before my time, before I was born, actually, from the Cleveland Cavaliers in a trade alongside Kenny Carr for uh, Pistons gave up to the Cavs Phil Hubbard and Paul McKeskey in addition to their 1982 first and second round picks. That first round pick ended up being John Bagley, and the second round pick being ended up being Dave Magley. No word on whether the Cavs had to pick players that rhymed their last names in the first and second rounds, but they ended up picking those guys, John Bagley, as uh, guys who are even my age would remember, ended up having a moment on some good Celtic teams off the bench in the late 1980s. So we got those ones. Those are easy out of the way. The two guards and the two center position, or the center position as well. I had a feeling we'd slip this guy on here. So one of the forward spots we're giving to Dennis Rodman, three and a half seasons in the the 80s, uh, started his career with three full seasons. And then we call that 89-90 season, uh, a half in the 80s because we're, we're going literal with it right at January 1st. So we're giving Dennis Rodman the credit for the first uh, half of that season. So so three and a half seasons. And he technically only won one title with the Pistons in the 1980s because that 1990 title was won in the 1990s. So, uh, But we're going to give it to him. He was a force on those teams even back in the 80s before he became the player that he would uh, grow into into the 1990s. Although you might argue that his apex was right in that 89 range or whatever but yeah we slipped Dennis Rodman onto that team so now we got a little bit of a a decision to make on the fifth spot which is a uh, forward position and uh, really one of the guys that I considered and considered heavily was uh, Kelly Tripuka who played five full seasons for the Pistons in the 1980s played well and put up huge numbers on a team that uh, scored a lot of points so he averaged 21.6 points per game during his time with the Pistons in the 1980s um, but however, I just had got to go with the winning. I'm, I'm a winning whore. I uh, vote for the teams that win and, um, slipping Kelly Trapuca off the list. And not only that, but I'm really doing Kelly dirty. I'm adding another guard spot and, uh, just giving it to Vinnie Johnson. He played for the Pistons from 1981 to 1991. So pretty much his whole career is in, or this whole Pistons career is in this era of the eighties. And uh, we're just going to put the microwave on there, slip a third guard spot, and uh, sorry to Kelly Tripuka, we're bending the rules a little bit. For the microwave, Mr. 007. Moving on to the, so we got, uh, we put the three guards on there. We got Isaiah, Vinny, Joe, and uh, Dennis Rodman, and Bill Lambeer. 1990s, the easiest selection for the 1990s was a second appearance on this team from Joe Dumars, who won a title and stayed with the Pistons for the whole decade. He won that 1990 title. 
uh, which was technically in the decade of the 1990s. Um, the second easiest addition was probably Grant Hill. He came in in 1997 and made such a big impact on the Pistons in his uh, three years there. He was a no-brainer on this team. So one of the guard spots to Joe, one of the forward spots to Grant Hill. I would say that the next easiest one was uh, the second appearance on this team by Dennis Rodman. Uh, he won the title in 1990, like we said. He made all-star appearances technically in 1990 and another one in 1992. He won two rebounding titles in the 1990s. That's the 91-92 season and the 92-93 season. Uh, so he carried a little bit over. I mean, remember that uh, the bad boys were getting older, but Dennis Rodden was still kind of on top of his game for those first three years of the 1990s. We're giving him one on one spot as well. And speaking of guys who carried over from the bad boys' years, we're putting Isaiah Thomas on the 1990s list as well. He won the title in 1990, won finals MVP that year in 1990 against the Blazers, and ended up playing four more years after that, four more seasons. We know that fourth season was the uh, Achilles tear and ended up only playing about 58 games that year. But uh, no one really made a great case to knock him out of that point guard spot. You had Lindsey Hunter later in the decade. You had Allen Houston, who uh, put up some noise for a, a spot as well. And uh, Jerry Stackhouse as well was a guy who threatened to have me uh, maybe move some spots around. But if you look at Jerry Stackhouse's career, unfortunately, he played two and a half seasons with the Pistons in the 90s and then two and a half seasons with the Pistons in the next decade. And uh, we know he wasn't going to make the next decade team. But we couldn't bump him, so we still had one spot left. And that was the toughest one because there really was no center. Uh, again, I thought about moving Rodman over to center, playing some small ball. But instead, I stuck with that center category and went again with Bill Lambeer, who wins the title with the Pistons in 1990, played three more full seasons after that, and then 11 games into a fourth season. So kind of like three and a half plus 11 games into a uh, almost four full seasons. Got 10 and 7 in the uh, 1990 and beyond for his Pistons career. And uh, it felt like he needed a big man. And, uh, a little bit of a modern center, stretch five in Bill Lambeer there. Uh, Bison Daly was another name that uh, stuck in my mind, but he only played two full seasons with the Pistons. And uh, Stackhouse, with only those two and a half seasons, did not warrant me messing with the uh, two guards, two forwards, and center combinations like Vinnie Johnson made me do in the 1980s. So again, Isaiah Thomas made the 80s and the 90s teams. Joe Dumars made the 80s and the 90s teams. Dennis Rodman made the 80s and the 90s teams. Bill Lambeer made the 80s and the 90s teams as well, with uh, Vinnie Johnson making the 80s teams and Grant Hill making the 90s teams. Moving on to the 2000s, this was the easiest one you could have possibly imagined. The Pistons win the title in 2004. They're on top of the world uh, despite not winning the title in 2005. Going to Game 7, they uh, had obviously their strongest part of the decade was the first half and even bleeding over into the 06, 07, and 08 seasons before the wheels kind of fell off. So again, this is the starting lineup from those 2000s team, the, the championship team. It's Chauncey, it's Rip, it's Tayshawn, it's Rashid, and it's Ben Wallace. There's really no argument to be made in this one. Again, the guy who kind of gets screwed with the arbitrary nature of the, uh, the, the decades teams is Jerry Stackhouse, who played half of his uh, career with the Pistons in the 90s and then half of it in the 2000s. Really, since it was that case, he wasn't really a good candidate for either of them, so he gets left out of both of them. And it's uh, interesting that how great the going-to-work era teams were, 
none of those guys, Chauncey, Rip, Tayshawn, Rashid, and Ben, none of them really were seriously considered for candidates in either the prior decade or the next decade. So interesting to me. Anyways, um, 2010, uh, 2010s, uh, you know, you have Ben Wallace, like I said, he played into the 2010s era, but he only played two and a half seasons with the Pistons and, and it was his, uh, the rough times of his career. So, uh, uh, no Ben Wallace there. Um, Reggie Jackson is a no brainer, believe it or not at a point guard, four and a half seasons with the Pistons in the 2010s. And keeping in mind that there's another half a season to be played in the 2010s with the 19, uh, start of the season up until, uh, January 1st of 2020. So, um, Reggie Jackson averaged 16 points and five and a half assists for this Pistons career in four and a half seasons. We're going to skip the shooting guard one. Cause that's the tough one. Um, Andre Drummond at center is no doubt uh, a slam dunk there. Apologies to Greg Monroe, by the way, who uh, played five full seasons with the Pistons in the 2010s, averaging 14 and nine and two assists. Um, And then I thought uh, the next easiest one was actually, it was hard from there, to be honest. I have a list of a bunch of guys and uh, you could make an argument that Greg Monroe with five full solid seasons should have, uh, you know, presented a case for, turning it into two centers or something like that. But uh, that seems a little bit wonky for me, especially given today's NBA. Uh, Guys like Tayshawn were considered for a second. He played two full seasons and three half seasons in the 2010s, 14, 4, and 3 in his averages there. Brandon Knight, two full seasons, 13, 4, and 3, not enough. Ben Gordon, two and a half seasons, 12, 2, and 2, not enough there. And then you could throw in guys like Luke Kennard, two full seasons, Reggie Bullock, two and, you know, a season full and then a couple other seasons, but really only had like the the one and a half good seasons at the end of the 2010s. Um, but anyway, uh, the starting small forward is going to be Tobias Harris. He played one full season and then two parts of two other seasons before he was traded. And after he was traded, when they were acquired uh, 17, five and two for the Pistons, we're going to give him, give him that spot. And also Blake Griffin is going to be the other forward spot. We know what he's accomplished in his season and a half with the Pistons. So the shooting guard spot, that was the toughest one, and it's kind of a coin flip. You had uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pulp at four seasons at uh, 11 points per game, three uh, rebounds and three three assists and one and a half rebounds and very good defense against Rodney Stuckey, who played four full seasons plus another half season, averaging 14 points a game, four assists and three rebounds. So... We definitely have Reggie Jackson, Tobias Harris, Blake Griffin, and Andre Drummond. So who is, who is it? Is it Stuckey or KCP? Um, I decided that I would make this decision on the air as I was thinking about it. And I'm going to go with, surprisingly, Rodney Stuckey because the stats are better and he played the extra half season. And I don't want to put KCP on there and pretend like that 2016 deserves four spots on this team um, because... I just don't think it deserves it. I think that uh, Rodney Stuckey, uh, I know that he's uh, a little bit of a swear word with a lot of Pistons Nation, but we're going to put him on there. So that's the team, and that's my choice. Am I wrong? What do you think? I want uh, the feedback from you guys. Spend, send your teams if you want to go back into the, the old times or if you want to run through my work and tell me why I'm wrong about the 1980s, the 1990s, the 2000s, and the 2010 teams. Or if you want to get crazy and send me who you think the 2020 teams will be. Will Sekou make that? Uh, Luke Kennard is probably as close of a, a lock as you might have on that team right now. Bruce Brown, Andre Drummond, is he going to stick around for the whole 
uh, or a lot of the decade going forward. Blake Griffin, you know, who's going to be on that team? Is it a point guard who's in high school right now or college? Um, you got high hopes about Kyrie Thomas or Savitas Dervitas. Uh, who do you like? Uh, so let me know. Did I just change uh, Dervitas Servitas to Servitas Davidas? I think I just did. Uh, so good times. Uh, we know it's late. It's the 3 o'clock hour now as we continue the Locked on Pistons podcast. But when you are driving to work or from work or around town, all you have to do is tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Pistons, and we'll be right there with you for the drive. I promise it's just one whiskey and one wine uh, right now. Uh, I promise it's not that bad. But anyway, coming up, Doc Joe Brown's going to tell you about the schedule. We're having good times here on a Thursday night. That's up next here on the Lockdown Pistons podcast, which is a proud member of the Lockdown Network, your team every day. What's up? This is Doc Joe Brown giving the, I guess this would be the top back half, not really mid-summer check-in for the Locked On Pistons podcast. It's the best time of the year for a fan because the season schedule releases Monday at 3 o'clock. And that's just awesome if you plan to go to any games. You don't have to be a season ticket holder. Um, I'm the bootleg season ticket holder because I only have a half season, not the full 41 games down at LCA. You know, I get 21 or 20 or something like that. They mix in some preseason ones to make you feel better. But it's best time of the year. Everybody's zero and zero. Everybody's in first place. You get to set up your fall. You know, you get to see, oh, how does this ricochet against a Lions game? When will it be fun to be downtown? The Christmas Day games have already been released. So the Pistons aren't playing in that. So... <laughs> Let's just move on to other things. But there are other fun days, like uh, Halloween night. That's always an awesome night. You know, you got kids coming by your door. You might be giving out candy. So, you know, have the game on, be having a beer. So I'm anxious to see if we get a holiday, uh, a Halloween night, or the day before Thanksgiving. Last year, the Pistons played in Houston the day before Thanksgiving, and they had a watch party at Motor City, and they sold out the joint. Well, they didn't sell it out because the tickets were free, but the tickets were completely gone within like four hours of them being available because I called the arena to see if I could get some extra. So I think they should reward the Pistons. I don't know if they look in metrics like that, but they should reward them and say, hey, a lot of family will be in town. Detroit is an infamous city of people growing up here, moving away. So I think that would be awesome if they said, you know what, let's give these guys a day before Thanksgiving day, day game. Also, I think it would be great if the NBA did a better job of tapping into like little local holidays so we have 313 day you know uh, march 13th which is our area code that'd be great if they did like a big detroit theme night or something on espn i seriously doubt it but i'm just talking hypothetically i think the nba needs to do a better job of that again there are other days other than christmas we got mlk day i'm just amped in general I can't wait to see what games they award us. The the fully loaded teams that everyone wants to see, the premium games, Lakers, Warriors, Pelicans, Clippers, you know, those teams only come to Detroit once a year. So, you know, being in my position, it's very popular. You'll talk to other season ticket holders and say they always sell the premium games because that's how they pay for their <laughs> The rest of the games, and they like being at the arena when it's not crowded, having drinks. I know that sounds backwards, but sometimes uh, you get flip a really pretty penny for those tickets, especially when the Warriors were on fire. So I, I don't know if I'll partake in that. I usually give mine away and just say, hey, the blessings will come. 
sometime but really anxious to see when those teams come hopefully it's a weekend i know a lot of kids are into them so you know their parents don't want them out late during the week historically the nba does do that with those premium teams when they're on the east coast they try to build it into a weekend so those markets can kind of you know the lesser the down cities can you know have something to celebrate a little bit we'll have our return games of ish and stanley and Reggie Bullock so I think it should get a standing ovation but who knows when that'll come it'll probably be a weekday game but just looking ahead just anticipating the schedule release um, and then I've always said this I think I'm going to end on this I think the first two games of the NBA finals should be at a neutral site for at a organization that did not make the playoffs and then you can split up the last five games just give three to the team with the better record and two to the team with the lesser record. Uh, that'll give that city something to hold on to. Uh, I know it's kind of like a reward to say, hey, well, those two teams, you know, whoever makes it, get it. But I think it's exciting how the Super Bowl is in the city, a different city every year. And I think the NBA could spice it up with all the other changes. Say, you know, let's always put the first two games at a neutral site. Let's pick a city whose team didn't go to the playoffs, create like a bidding war or something for that. I think that would be really awesome because All-Star Weekend is kind of losing is to me, to me, it's kind of losing its. I don't know, I guess, like, classicness. Like, I, I don't get up for the dunk contest and the three-point contest like I used to. I know that's a big deal, picking the city, but I think that would be awesome if they said, you know what, let's do a neutral site and then build it up a couple years because, or, you know, at least for a couple months. And sac Look, Imagine a team like Sacramento, like, oh, we're going to have it. You know, the they can get the um, ESPN footage or, the, you know, the ABC Sports or whatever the national network is at the time. So I think that would be awesome. So I'm just waiting on Monday. I'm I'm a person that travels with the team. So see when I'll be able to get out to Chicago, Indiana. Probably, I don't know about Cleveland, but, you know, just some, just stop around and see, okay, this night lines up well with my schedule. But that's it. Um, should be uh, fun. I can't wait for Monday. I'm going to just be probably as soon as 3 o'clock hits, just like uh, making my schedule for the fall. So that's all I got. And I will holler at you later. Real name, no gimmicks. Dr. Joe Brown. Doc Joe Brown kills it as always. Thank you, sir, for uh, taking the time to send along your thoughts about Monday's schedule release. And I love that Doc Joe Brown gives the perspective of the uh, you know partial or half or maybe a, a bootleg season ticket holder. I love how he talks about how the uh, the season ticket holders you sell the premium games to pay for the package. I think that's a genius idea. Although you do kind of want to be in the house for those two, so maybe like sell half of them. And keep half of them. Maybe bring the girl to one or bring your best buddy to one. I don't know. But uh, it's an interesting thought. And let me say this. I have never heard that idea that Joe Brown had of the neutral site first and second games of the NBA Finals. And I tell you what. This is literally the first time I've heard that idea. Most of the ideas that you hear that are a little bit outside the box are just like recycled from other people that you've heard. I've never heard that idea. And I love it. I love that idea. Although I'll tell you what. Instead of like maybe the, the Sacramentos of the world, like the drag franchises, I think the, the, the city that should be number one on that list is like Seattle. Like bring those first two games, go to Seattle for game one, Vancouver for game two, you know, cities that lost their NBA team. Although that's pretty unrealistic that the NBA would kind of admit that they may be screwed up in those regards. 
But uh, who else? I mean, you know, maybe some prospective cities down the road. Maybe you go uh, Mexico City and London or something like that. That seems like a lot of travel at the end of the playoffs. But, yeah, maybe you say, okay, um, Louisville, Kentucky, you want to have an NBA team? Why don't you show us how you can uh, party and set up the uh, game one of the NBA finals or whatever that next uh, city on the horizon is that wants to host a team or else, you know, maybe just go New York and LA and say Madison Square Garden gets one, Staples Center gets one, uh, provided that obviously it's not the Clippers or Lakers in the finals. Or maybe you have like a, a fun fan vote or something or whatever fan base or team donates the most to charity or something weird like that. I love the idea of the neutral site games one and two, love the possibilities that could open up. Or maybe like Doc said, you rotate it around and Utah gets one one year and the Detroit and Indiana gets one. Teams that haven't had the finals there, love the idea. And want you guys to feedback on it a little bit too about uh, variations on that neutral site games one and two. But we've went long enough today. Thanks again to Jock, Doc, not Jock, Doc Joe Brown. This is your host, Matt Shook. Got to get to sleep. Uh, thanks for listening to the Lockdown Pistons podcast. Have a great weekend, and we'll be back next week with some more hilarity and uh, just great times here on the Lockdown Pistons podcast.